Hello, and welcome to the Previously Learned Podcast. Joining Michael McLaughlin and myself, James Shaw, on this episode is Sam Smith. Some Sam Smith facts for you. Sam is a former pro rugby player with Harlequins, where he won the Premiership, Hamlin Cup and LB Cups. He also represented England under 20 level. Sam is a founder and CEO of Wayland's Yard Coffee and Odkin Roasters. He runs a seven-figure turnover company operating in three cities. There's a link to both those companies in the notes. And in addition, Sam also coaches on a one-to-one level pro athletes for life after sport. This was an incredibly honest and open conversation, and at times we were blown away with Sam's conversation. It truly was eye-opening and thought-provoking. We hope you enjoy listening. And I should quickly apologise, I had internet issues a couple of minutes in, so apologies about that. And remember, if you do like the Proofs to Learn podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. It really does generally help us to grow the show. Without further ado, happy listening. So, good afternoon, Sam, Sam Smith. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on the, the podcast with Michael McLaughlin and myself, James Short, and Proofs to Learn. First question is, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And yeah, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. It's been a while since we first sort of um, started chatting about it. Yeah, no, we're, we're very much looking forward to it. So thank you very much for agreeing to come on. So uh, you want to say something? I thought you were. Just clearing the <laughs> Okay. We'll edit so, that a bit. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're clearly a talented and a successful individual. And with the talent, obviously, I'm not ignoring the hard work that you've obviously put into it as well. Um, but just obviously you ex-pro rugby player for Quinns uh, where you won the Premiership uh, won a couple of Cups as well the LV Amlin Cup as well represented England at under-20s level uh, founder and CEO of Wayland's Yard Coffee and Odkin Roasters where it's growing as well um, sizable turnover profitable big team there and you're also doing one-to-one coaching so for pro athletes for life after sport Question is, how do you do it? Not just one one field, but three different facets. Uh, how, how do you become so successful at it? What's what's the trick? Um, I think firstly, it doesn't all feel like successful in my head. Um, but yeah, I think with all those things, it's kind of come in stages. So the the rugby, I got injured when I was twenty six and had to retire early, yeah. and that was obviously devastating to kind of go through wasn't my plan I'm 32 now so I would hope to probably all my peers are still playing really so um yeah my life kind of went in a very different direction than I'd ever expected and whilst I was injured that's when I set up the coffee business and that kind of grew faster than expected to be perfectly honest and um we've now got three coffee shops and like you said we've we've got a roastery as well so we're roasting beans for our own shops and then for wholesale customers and stuff um but yeah I guess how I'm doing that plus the coaching at the minute is I've I, I realized a couple of years ago that there are parts of business that I love and parts that I don't like so much and I've managed I guess in the last couple of years is to sort of slowly step back from the stuff that well either that I'm not very good at or that I don't particularly enjoy and thankfully I've got a really wicked team of people who are much better at most of the things in the business than I am so I feel very fortunate to have that and do you think um sport helped with that you know being a team and team player and choosing the right teammates and is that is that a natural thing for business as well yeah I think I think so I think I've learned a lot from sport around 
like you mentioned at the beginning, like talent and hard work, and you have to have both to be successful. There are the odd like mercurial in sport, there's the odd mercurial player who's absolutely incredible and can kind of just step out to the pitch and create magic. But most of us, it's mainly the hard work and dedication to show up every day and even when it's pissing down with rain or when you don't yeah. want to. And it's that kind of mentality, I guess, I've taken into business. And on the team part is from being a successful team, I, I think the most important part of it is having good people on the team. It's not, I'd rather be on a team with a bunch of good lads than a bunch of like individual superstars. And I guess I've applied that to our business that when we hire, we hire for personality and for how that person, so I guess, makes us feel and how they f- would fit into the team. And we're always then looking to upskill and train rather than looking for the finished product in terms of what their kind of skill set is and then hoping that they fit the team. We hire for the team first. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. So in, in terms of that, I mean, like just going off track, I was just thinking now, obviously when you're playing sport, um, you've got different characters, different individuals in the changing room, but the common goal is obviously to get the win. Um, but how do you deal with different personalities? You know, it's... I mean, it's, I'd probably say it's very much like a family. Like, a family have <laughs> very different people in it. And yeah. as you kind of get to know each other better, and I think also the more honest, in the team environment, the more honest you are with how what makes you tick, like what gets you out of bed in the morning. And then there's that kind of shared understanding as well is a very important piece of also understanding that not everyone is like you and you're not like everyone else. And actually kind of celebrating those differences and realizing that by coming together, the kind of end result will always be much better than if we had a bunch of Sam's in the room or a bunch of James's in the room or a bunch of Mike's in the room. It's all about how can we make that blend and find a blend that works the best. I guess that makes uh, good advice for Christmas as well, with uh, all the families <laughs> coming together. So. Yeah, definitely. I think I probably need to remember remember that myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, with sport, um, I won't dwell too much on sport, but with sport, through no fault of your own, um, you got the injury, and so professional sport, very, very strict regime, dedication day in, day out then injury takes that regime away from you. And you said, I, mean, I think I read somewhere that life after sport wasn't an easy journey and you were fumbling in the dark for a while, um, huge loss of identity and a lack of purpose. So can you talk further about that, if that's all right, and, and how you dealt with it? Yeah, of course. Um, it's funny because now that I've kind of been a bit more open with, I guess, my mental health struggles post-sport, it's a lot of old teammates and stuff have obviously reached out off the back of it and a lot of the comments have been almost a bit of a surprise because I guess on the surface from an outsider's viewpoint my exit out of sport was pretty textbook like I moved from sport started a business the business has grown like externally that ticks all the boxes of like of actually kind of doing something different and moving on but in, like I guess for me it was it's been a bit of a shitstorm at times mm. and it's been really really hard and I I wasn't I didn't have the capacity or the understanding that kind of asking for help is probably the bravest thing any of us can ever do and I didn't know that when I finished 
And I, I, I remember trying to speak to people or trying to tell people how I felt, but I don't think I even really knew how I felt myself because mm. being an athlete, I just viewed and believed that kind of emotions and feelings were bad and they were to be kind of pushed away because they got in the way of performance and almost that kind of robotic mentality around I'm just a machine that needs to perform at the weekend. And I think having the business, because I went literally from one to the other, it gave me, I say it was really good in some respects because it kept me distracted. But in the bad part of that was meant I didn't have to really deal with what I was going through in terms of leaving sport. And I kind of lasted two years probably. And then everything kind of came crashing down. And yeah, that's when I've, was in a really yeah a really low point and behaving in a way that was pretty unhealthy for me and yeah. for my relationships so in terms of thank you very much for your honesty appreciate it. but with with something like that i guess it's a two-way street right so obviously you're after the help but would would other people should be there as well recognizing signs to try and help and how how, do, how does someone help you know it's, it's a massive shift isn't it going from one it's a life change, you know, from whatever mm. that life change. It's a massive, massive shift. So, how, how can one help? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And I can't, I can, I always say this quote, but I never know who says that. I should probably Google it. But around, basically, on the point of an athlete dies twice. Like mm. you finish sport, you die, and you're, you worse out the rugby player or the cricketer or the footballer. Like every wedding you go to, every party you go to, the first question for fifty people when you walk in the room is, "How's rugby?" And for me, I, I was totally, that was all I had. I don't, my self-worth was totally wrapped up and whether I was playing well or if I was playing poorly, then that was, I was in a really sort of bad place because I hadn't learned how to sort of separate myself out of my job. So, yeah, I think from an external point is, and I think players are getting a lot more aware around the fact that this is a really hard transition. And for people who are still playing as teammates leave the team, it's, I think it's really easy to pick up the phone and ask, how are you? And actually mean it. It's not that kind of passing in the corridor, how are you doing? Or yeah, I'm fine. And that question, like that's, that, that is the question that changed my life. I, a life coach who was a um, regular customer at my coffee shop had got to know me. And when I was in that really, really dark place, a couple of years after opening, he said, how are you, Sam? And I just, did my standard yeah I'm fine and brushed it off and he was like no really how are you shall we have a coffee and that, that led to me working with him and working with him right. saved me really and I think when you know your friend or a loved one or a relative or is in a tough place it can be almost off-putting to like how am I interfering but just that actual genuinely compassionate question of how are you and, and meaning it I think that is really all you can do yeah, no, it's 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 tough, and I can't express in words, you know, what you must have been going through. But I just real, I didn't realise then that he was a customer at the coffee shop. It's incredibly uh, serendipitous that he was just. Yeah. And it was. Did you know? Did you know what he was doing at the time, or is it, was that more him reaching out to you, or is he picking up on it? So he, um, yeah, he'd been a regular really since we opened, and I'd got to know him, and. I didn't really fully, I kind of knew what he did, but not fully. But it, yeah, it was just, he must have seen the decline <laughs> from an outsider's perspective. And obviously with his experience, he'd probably be more attuned to that than others. Um, said, oh, sorry, yeah. interrupting, sorry. No, no. 
But can you see it in other people? Because uh, where well, you've obviously seen, you've been there yourself. Can you see the signs in other people now? That, or is there a difference between like an individual sports person or a team sports player? Is there? A... Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure whether I'm better at seeing it. Maybe I'm more aware that it's actually worth looking, and that kind of sending a text to someone. And if they would normally text back and they don't, then that's to me is like, mm, what's going on there? And then to me, it's then worth a phone call. Whereas before it probably wouldn't have registered. Mm. It's, do you think there's more awareness around it now as well as, as a whole? I think so. I think it's a big topic in sport at the minute. There's lots of documentaries out and it is becoming a bit more mainstream. My sense from speaking to the kind of the players that I'm working with is a lot of people feel like there's no hope when they finish. It's almost they're almost resigned to the fact that when they retire, life will be shit. Mm. And I get a lot of comments around, oh, life after sports pretty shit, isn't it? Or it's this is really tough. And it is, but it doesn't have to always be. There is a way out. And that's what I'm guess by having these kind of conversations and being open and honest about my journey is to hopefully, I guess, have a bit of a beacon of hope for people who are feeling really bad about themselves or their situation post-sport and and realising that there is something that they can do about it. It's absolutely amazing what you're doing. It really is. Take my hat off to you. And, you know, you know sorry. I was just going to say, so you, you, you've sort of had the text, you you you've realized you want to pick up the phone and, and you you start the conversation what's the kind of what's the kind of process that, that you that helped you and and what is it you're sort of doing for current players at the moment or ex-players yeah um speaking from my, my experience it was it was really having my hand held to to learn how to be vulnerable and how to open up and that realization that being open and honest about my feelings to mainly to myself and to others unlocks everything because suddenly you go from being in this kind of bubble of pain and like hopelessness or despair or whatever that feeling is for that person. And suddenly that bubbles burst and you realize that there's like loads of people around you who are there to help. Yeah. And that for me just changed a flicked a switch in my head and I think that kind of my experience of playing professional sport was I couldn't open up even really to like the team. We had always had a sports psychologist in the team, but I never actually felt I could open up fully because I didn't know whether that information was getting passed back to the coaches. And I think that's a really important point for people in a current, currently playing is that you can find help externally. There are people out there who don't have to be linked to the team because to be vulnerable and open about how you're actually feeling, you need to have 100% trust. So that's the most important part of any relationship, whether it's with a coach or a therapist or a counsellor. Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly brave thing to do, isn't it? I mean, like, it's... You're, you're being completely open and honest with someone and not wanting to be judged, I guess, and getting it out there, you know? Mm. It's... Um, I suppose rugby as well, and, and James and I both um, happen to play rugby as well. And it's it's obviously, I, I like you, the way you talked about that external um, sort of facade that, that athletes put on. Mm. By by no means were James and I ever consider ourselves athletes, but uh, and, but that 
the sort of thing of not wanting to show any pain or you know or and or be there for the team as well was yeah uh, always a stronger than maybe some of the feelings you, you maybe had mm. so really interesting learn yeah, how definitely. to be vulnerable i think this uh, is one of the big things from that no definitely so you know without in sport you played in front of 80 or 1000 people at twickenham for example and now you're doing the coaching what's what's what can you replicate that buzz from helping someone you know is it a different kind of buzz is it mm. yeah, it's a really good question uh, it's funny i i used to one of the things well one of the stories i told myself when i was kind of knew, knew i was going to retire was that life would never be exciting again for that exact reason like for me i couldn't even understand how anything could be as exciting as running out at twickenham or at the stoop or at welford road whatever like any of those kind of big games is when you're 20 in your 20s or 30s i guess and that's all you've experienced and that's for me was the high like the highlight of my week was getting to do that and i couldn't understand if like how i could replicate that but now for me like stepping into a coaching conversation with someone i get that same kind of i don't know like my stomach's doing some somersaults i'm i'm buzzing before like i have that kind of pre-game energy because to me i found something that really really matters and to be trusted with someone to go as deep as we go basically based on kind of the stuff we've just been speaking about to have it feels like an honor that someone's trusted me with their life in that not that I'm going to change their life, but that they're, they're trusting me with their deepest, darkest secrets or their biggest fears or their biggest hopes and stuff that they really want to do with their life. And then we then become a team and then work on that together. No, that's fantastic. Well, you say um, you probably are changing their life, right? You know, you're giving someone hope which wasn't there before. And that's incredibly noble. And it's incredibly, you must be satisfying and rewarding for someone and to see someone... I don't know. It's, I know it's a cliche, but you're a long time retired, aren't you, from sport? You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think f I don't believe it's me that's doing it. I think I'm asking the questions, and the person's doing it themselves. And but, yeah, and I, I think. Guess... <clears throat> Go on, sorry. No, yeah, and I just yeah, I have a really positive view of humans, and I often believe that the stuff that we desperately want, or are seeking, or hoping for, is already here. But either we're getting in the way of it or our beliefs are or our habits or the way we've been. And it's about kind of pulling back the curtain on ourselves and finding what we're looking for and realizing, oh, I've actually already got it. I don't need to do all these external things to go and try and search for it or find it. I need to just re rediscover it. Yeah, well, I've certainly found, <clears throat> on a, talking about me, a personal level, that one, getting older and two, having a family myself and three losing my parents, my my outlook on life and what I want from life has changed. You know, mm. not the material stuff anymore. It's yeah. I wasn't a massive fan of material stuff in the first place, but it's even less so now. And and I'd rather have quiet family moments or, you know, the daft little things, going down to the coast or something like that, with dog yeah. and family and doing that. You you can't put money on that, you know, and it's as I say, it's I don't know about you, Mike, I don't know about mm obviously losing your dad and as, as things changed yeah ironically my my dad's birthday was yesterday and uh, it, it does make you think about like where you're going and and, and what mm. you're trying to do but uh, I, I i find this uh the, the story on 
people opening up and being vulnerable uh, and especially um, you know big hard rugby players I always find that uh, immensely interesting. Sam you mentioned that um, an athlete always dies twice I, th I think that's a really fascinating um, analogy um, could you just explain a little bit more about that and, and sort of what effect it has on athletes? Yeah I, again talking from my my own experience of this because that's all I all I really have is I, I was a hundred percent sound the rugby player. I didn't have anything else at that point in my life. Everything I'd done since the age of 13 had been geared at getting a contract at Quinn's. Mm -hmm. And then it was about getting in the first team. And then it was about playing regularly and et cetera, like that. Just everything I did was geared towards that. And I was a very selfish sort of self-centered person because I believe that, that was the only important thing that I had to do. Yeah. And so that was my whole identity was that. So I, I didn't really, and I only discovered this kind of a couple we're working with Hugh, my coach a couple of years after I retired that I actually didn't know who Sam was anymore because I changed as a person to fit what I believed would make me the most successful rugby player. So I'd, I'd become my personality had almost changed to, to be the person that I thought the coaches would select and all of these when you think when I say it out loud it sounds mental but to me being selected was the most important thing so I guess at the time it made total sense and so yeah so on that kind of quote which I really do need to find out who said it <laughs> um is when rugby was taken away from me I had that meeting with the with the surgeon I remember in the hospital afterwards I went into the disabled toilet and I remember just sitting on the floor and I think I cried for like 20 30 minutes mm -hmm. and it was probably the first time I'd cried since I was at school right. and thinking about that now is yeah it it felt like I died <laughs> and it sounds dramatic but I just didn't know who I was going to be anymore because yeah. everything I'd had was kind of stripped away and I don't know if other players or athletes have that same kind of visceral feeling or release of emotion because there are probably a lot of other athletes who have a way healthier relationship to themselves whilst they're still playing maybe mine was a particularly bad one but yeah and it and when that happens you have to start again because you're not sound the rubber player anymore and then you I just ask myself the question, well, well who do I want to be? Like, who, who, am I, who am I actually? And that's been a really enjoyable kind of road of discovery. Can I ask a really stupid question? And if it is stupid, please tell me it's stupid. But <laughs> when, when, when you're sitting down on the floor and what was it? Were you scared for the future or is it because you lost what was there previous? Or was it a I think it was combination I think I think I I knew I could never live that life again because mm. it's not it's not like you lose a job as an accountant and you can go get a job as another accountancy mm. firm or go and become freelance like that that option's gone but once your body's broken it's broken but yeah and then fear of the future around yeah like what am I going to do like I didn't know what I I didn't know what made me come alive I didn't know what got me excited because what I thought got me excited was gone and mm. it, yeah it's that fear of like well what's life going to be like now wow okay and how is life for you now 
it's great thankfully <laughs> but thankfully i was wrong which no, is good you can tell i mean like your linkedin stuff is uh, it's incredibly positive and it's incredibly honest and i think that's the appeal for it as well you know it's you're not covering stuff up yeah stuff's been shit but there is another side to it it's not permanent you know there's mm. there is nothing permanent you know it's everything will find its way it's but do you find there's more people coming to you now or coaches as a whole more receptive and pushing it forward? Not just from sport. I know you are working with sport, but as a whole, society as a whole, like, you know, I think there's more more people looking for help and more people willing to provide help as well, I think. Definitely. My kind of sense is that everyone's kind of awakening to the fact that it's okay to not, be okay and it's also okay to ask for help mm-hmm. and I think I said at the beginning like, and I truly believe this I think the bravest thing any of us can do is ask for help because by asking for help you're admitting that you don't have all the answers and that you're not okay and for humans to admit that to themselves is is really really hard yeah yeah it's it's I, I, well, I don't know it's like that whole point of uh, you, you're always told at school growing up ask for help you don't know but you don't want to ask for help because you don't want to mm. seem like you need help but yeah sometimes you do need help and there's yeah. nothing getting help right but you're seeing a shift i think culturally society ways the last five ten years it's i i think i think we're social animals we want to help each other we all want to for the greater good but it, it worries me sometimes what you see in the media and social media I'm talking about and you just hope people kind of move away from that and actually see you know there are there are people that want to help you know which is good it's mm. on a slightly different topic I mean like clearly you are successful you, you know what you're doing you're talented you've got the skill and stuff and a lot of people that have been in that contract like an imposter syndrome and stuff like that is that something you've ever had or dealt with yeah it's um not really during my rugby career but I had it I had it big time when I started my business Mm. because my first shift in hospitality was the day we opened and every member of the team was more experienced than I was and there's a huge bit of of me that was like who am I telling these people what to do when they're actually doing a better job than I am (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then just generally in running a business anyway, I've always felt like I'm making it up as I go along. And I've always felt like I don't know what I'm doing. But I've come to realise that everyone feels like that. And if I, I now know that if I don't feel that hint of imposter syndrome or like, what the hell am I doing? I'm probably doing something that I don't care about. Mm. So I kind of use it now as a barometer or a, or a guide to be like, I'm doing the right stuff now. Like I, f- I feel it... I still feel I feel it about coaching. I, I feel sometimes, who am I to help people? I and it but it shows it's a it's a yeah, it's me. It's my my body or my head showing me that I care and and that's important to me that I'm doing work that I care about. Um and what sort of things have you taken from the the first, let's call it the first stage of your life into into like sort of where you are now and your business and, and things like that. So where what things have you think are important from your say stage one for one to be mm. 
Yeah, I think I, I look at my business in two stages. I think the first stage, I built it like a rugby player would. I as like bigger, faster, more shops, growth, expansion, w- effectively winning. But then I realized suddenly that that gave me no sense of meaning or purpose or fulfillment because it was just empty. And I could, I would have, if I hadn't noticed that, we'd still be opening shops and I'd still be feeling empty. For, for me now, it's about how can we create opportunities for the team to grow and develop and feel like they're cared for and looked after. And that's one of the big reasons why we opened up the coffee roastery was it was an opportunity for our team to learn to roast, um, to go into logistics and all these different facets of the business that we didn't have as a coffee shop. We're in, in a coffee shop environment, it's very linear and vertical, that kind of career path through management. Whereas this was an opportunity for us, I guess, to go wider and give the team different opportunities. And that for me is like my favorite part of business is seeing the team. Like I love seeing people who come in and then start doing stuff that they probably never thought they would ever be able to do. And that see that confidence building and growing. Like that's kind of, uh, that's what I absolutely love about it. Fantastic. That's a mm. great thing. So, you know, um, and I guess the, that's that's that real analogy of just bringing people together and, and things comes back to I think there might be a point on uh, on the team. Your team doesn't work with uh, with all superstars. It's uh, it, it requires a different sort of set of people and and where they're going. So that's uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, the the, the the social aspect and the um, impact that it has on the 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 local environment and people and stuff is just um it's just the way that businesses should be building themselves now um yeah definitely and, and in terms of the future what what sort of things are you looking looking to do and and, and go through from there um so with the copies business we're at a point now where we're just trying to make what we do better in terms of product and sort of how we look after the team how we look after our customers and that's in the coffee shop side of things and with the roastery we're we're basically building a roastery where our aim is to be the most supportive roastery for other hospitality businesses in the country because we're using the knowledge and skill set that we have of running profitable coffee shops and we're actually using that to actually help our wholesale customers grow and develop their own businesses which is a really fulfilling part of that business for us. It's not just about roasting the coffee, putting it in a bag and kind of sending it and saying good luck. It's it's actually that building that long-term relationship of how can we help you grow, which in turn will obviously help us grow. And with the coaching, I'm I'm trying to build a business there that is completely fitting and in line with how I want to live my life now. And I'm trying to do it in a quite I guess non, I can't think of the word, not trying to say non-normal, but I don't know if that's even a word, but in a non-traditional, non-traditional. So like, I, I don't really want to have a website or I'm just trying to invite people that I find really interesting into coaching conversations and seeing where that takes us and whether that's athletes. I've working with some really interesting business owners who aren't athletes, but have, I guess, connected and resonated with stuff I've written and, yeah, I'm 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 in a place where I want to just help help people do really cool things and feel good about themselves. That's bloody brilliant. It really is. I mean, I, 
as I said earlier, my my outlook on life is exactly what you're saying now, and that really does resonate. It's and it sounds daft, but I think stuff like COVID's helped stuff like that, you know, and I mm. think it's helped people reset themselves and say, this is what I want, you know, this is what we should be doing. It's not I anymore. It's supporting the community or the independent places and helping yeah. others. It's I think you get more fulfillment from life on on the back of that, you know. It's not materialistic anymore. It's yeah, I think things have changed. Yeah, I, I tell you what, that is a great mission statement. Help people do really cool things. <laughs> I just love that, Sam. I, I, I can see Thank that you. across the piece. <laughs> uh, just briefly, just make sure we mention the coffee, um, the, the chains. Just make sure we get it into the the thing for you. So um, the coffee shops are called. So the coffee shops called Wayland's Yard, and we've got one in Worcester, Birmingham, and Bristol. And then the coffee roastery is called Odkin Coffee Roasters, and that's based in Bristol. But we, yeah, we do wholesale all over the country to other kind of hospitality businesses. But then we also do online retail as well for people at home. Cool, Wayland's Yard, folks. I remember that name. So, what's you... your what's your go to coffee? Uh, if I had to drink one coffee for the rest of my life, it would be a Chemex filter coffee, right? Like a pour pour over. But I'm, I'll drink pretty much most of them, depending on what kind of mood I'm in or time of day it is. Mm-hmm. What you what's your What's yours? Yeah. Well, I actually quite like the Cortado. Uh, nice. I quite like the, um, oh, I can't remember the name. The Aussie beans uh, coming from Queensland. Um, is it Skybury? I think it's Skybury. I'm getting, I'm getting old. I'm 43. I can't remember stuff anymore. I, <laughs> I, I just quite like Nescafe. So <laughs> quick, quick and e- quick and easy. <laughs> but it's, uh, I tell you what I found as well. This is really strange. The amount we're going to a coffee shop now. No one really drinks milk. It's all like uh, oat milk or soy milk now. Everything's changed. Yeah, we're um, probably looking like. In Bristol, particularly, we're probably almost 50-50 cow's milk and oat milk mm. and a little bit bit stronger in favour of milk in the other two shops, which mm. has changed loads. It's more like when I started six years ago, it was probably 90-10, 80-20. Mm-hmm. So it's a big shift. Yeah, I mean, I don't drink milk anymore. I, well, long story short, end up doing a food intolerance test and everything I liked is not good for me. It didn't like me. Oh, no. So, uh, <laughs> so meat's gone out, dairy's gone out, eggs have gone out, everything. So it's now... a uh, Oatmeal for the way. Yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> he still he still likes a beer, Sam, because if he didn't, we couldn't be friends. So <laughs> it's got to be gluten-free beer though. <laughs> <laughs> still does the job though. It does indeed. Next morning it does, yeah. Now listen, very, very conscious of your time. Um really, really good to have you on. But you're doing a bloody fantastic job. Absolutely. Just, just crack on, carry on. It's really, really good. As I say, Thank your you. stuff on LinkedIn it's really good to read it's it resonates and you might not get the recognition from it but it is believe me it does resonate with people definitely yes thank you it's bloody brilliant what you're doing it really is so we'll let you crack on your day thank you very 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 much again for your time really appreciate it thank you both for having me it's been um it's been really enjoyable to speak to you guys I, i appreciate your time so mike how good was that chat with sam oh that was uh really powerful i mean i i just love the the simple message that it has that, that was such a simple question of like how are you um i just that just stunned me and then when his point on how professional sports people die twice um that i have to say that really got me and then the fact he was talking about 
the sort of feeling of emptiness and that that level of vulnerability you felt uh, through that uh, uh, and just asking how asking for help could be such a difficult thing when you're at those low points so uh, um, I mean on the other side I really hope you use that mission statement um, helping people do really cool things I just love that that is uh, just but what a, what an interesting guy yeah I 100% agree really really good and yeah there's some fantastic life lessons there and uh, I think we should be dropping in on our mates and asking are you okay and likewise as people we shouldn't be afraid of asking for help there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help but let's say brilliant absolutely fantastic conversation really really enjoyed that and I hope you guys all enjoy listening to it brilliant well um, please subscribe please review please like please rate um, we'd love to hear your feedback uh, and with that thanks very much for listening and until next time <laughs>